Today on the podcast, I'm going to be sharing about the four attributes of the Father Heart of God that I've discovered in walking with Him for 30 years. It's going to be amazing. Welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. This podcast is here to advance the revolution Jesus started, a revolution of the free, the fire starters, the troublemakers, and the zealots. I interview people who I think are awesome, who have heard that revolutionary call and are going after Jesus with their whole heart. If you listen to this show and join our community, I know God is going to speak to you. I believe God wants to change the world through you, through your unique gifts and talents He's given you. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life, a voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will. Let's get rolling. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Today's going to be a great show. I love bragging on God. This is totally going to be a God-bragging podcast. Um, You know, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time, and I've really discovered uh, some attributes about God as a father to me personally that I think you might like to learn about. Um, There are so many ways I could take, you know, there's, there's like a thousand attributes of God, you know, that that the way He is like a Father to us. I'm just going to share four that I personally have experienced that have meant, you know, the world to me. And I hope that you uh, enjoy it. So, the idea that God—okay, so let me set the stage here for a second. So, I was first introduced to the Father Heart of God concept actually through an old book called The Father Heart of God by a guy named, it was a missionary named Floyd McClung. Floyd McClung was like a major missionary figure in the 80s and 90s. Uh, He worked with Youth With Mission. Uh, They incorporated that teaching into Youth With Mission's discipleship training school, and now it's like you always have a Father Heart week, you know, when you're in the discipleship training school. And it's just a major tenet that every YWAMer is taught. Now, since that time, uh, many people have talked about, you know, your experience with your father uh, can really uh, dictate your experience with God himself and what he is like. And um, and so uh, one of the things that I've discovered uh, very much about God is that God fathers us in a way that we need to be fathered. Um, sometimes we need more more risk introduced into the relationship so that we can try things out and not be so protected um, to kind of kind of see what our boundaries are or what we're capable of. Sometimes we're needing um, engagement to be like, hey, stop running across the street or you're going to get hit. Sometimes we need all kinds of things uh, from a father, and God knows because he made you. So can he's an awesome father. Now, we talk a lot about fathers on the show. And so, um, you know, man, have we got some stuff on healing? We've got, you know, all kinds of things. And so, you know, I'm under no illusion that, you know, everybody had an awesome dad. Um, but God is an awesome dad. And so what I'm going to be sharing with you is some scriptures and some stories about four things that I've learned about him being a father to me. So let's start with uh, the uh, first one, which honestly was a huge surprise to me. Um, And it's basically, you know, Jesus and God, he promised never to leave us. 
Right? And we always kind of view that as comforting, right? You're like, oh, he's never going to leave me. That is so cool. And I'm, you know, sometimes you can feel like a wretch, right? You sin, it's terrible, and you feel terrible about yourself. And you're like, oh, God's going to never leave me. But let me tell you an attribute that it really surprised me. His loving correction is actually evidence of belonging. And uh, just a little bit about me. Uh, when I grew up, my dad was really involved with work. My mom was kind of trying to keep her head above water, and I was I was a hellion. And I pretty much had very little consequences for my action, be it at school, be it in getting involved, you know, getting in trouble with the law. Um, I always seemed to skirt consequences, and so I kind of had this innate sort of. I pretty much can say whatever I want and do whatever I want, and nothing really is going to happen. Now, that's not reality, but that was my reality. And so let me tell you when the Lord kind of broke that in my life. So um, I was at uh, a uh, Heart of a Warrior retreat, and uh, some of you guys may know Michael Thompson. He's been on the show a couple times. I've been involved with Zoe Ministries for many years. They have a great podcast called Exploring More. Go check that out. Anyway, I was at this retreat, and we went, uh, at the retreat, they basically said, hey, go talk to the Lord about, um, you know, getting His perspective on you and your current circumstances in life. Well, when I went to this retreat, uh, it was right at the beginning stages of my separation. So my wife and I uh, had gotten separated. We had been married for 14 years, I think, at that point. I might it might be 15, it might be 13, it was around 14. And and man, I just, my perspective of the whole situation was just off, big time. You know, I, I really thought it was her fault, and, you know, and I was in the right, and uh, she needed to, to, you know, get in line, and, you know, and all this other stuff. And that is a way bigger topic than this podcast will cover, but I just want to <laughs> talk to you about what the Lord was starting to minister to me. So, so when, uh, when, he, when I went to the Lord uh, with this at this retreat, we had some time alone with him, he basically started to talk to me. And what he started to say to me was very interesting. He said, he said, do you remember when you disciplined your, uh, I think it was my oldest son, when you disciplined your oldest son, um, like in my case, I, I spanked him if he did something wrong, whatever. Do you know how resistant he is? And I said, yeah, I know about that. And he says, do you, do, you, do you recognize that after discipline, after some time, he kind of breaks, and, and there's a softness to him. And when he breaks, and you hug him, or you love him, or you tell him how much you love him, and, and, and all of that, he is receptive to your love at that point. I said, yeah. And he goes, that's exactly what I'm doing to you. And I was like, and now, keep in mind, not only was I separated, but I gotten, you know, demoted at my job. I had lost my ministry. I had left my church. I mean, life was bad, 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 bad. And I just thought it was everybody else's fault. And the Lord basically said, I'm disciplining you because you grew up without any discipline or without much discipline, and that was true. And one of the attributes that happened because I had no discipline was that I felt like I could effectively 
run my life and the in and uh, the life uh, I could how can I say this I could run my life off a cliff and every you know everybody that was depending on me would go off the cliff with me you know and I was basically a detriment to myself who was going to save me from myself you hear Paul writing in the Bible like who's going to save me from this this wretched body you know and that's kind of how I felt but I didn't know how to stop myself like I just would keep screwing up over and over again and I and I thought is anybody ever going to save me from myself and that's exactly what God was saying was that I you're losing things today in that at that time because I'm disciplining you and then he took me to this scripture it's in Hebrews 12 6 through 8 and it says my son do not make light of the Lord's discipline do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the, the one he loves. He chastens or chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his child. For what child is not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone, everyone goes through undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate not true sons and daughters at all. And what God was speaking to me, and you guys have heard, you know what, I don't want to assume, but there's this concept of, the, of this, the, uh, an orphan spirit, which means I'm on my own, nobody cares, nobody's going to help me, you know, nobody, I'm just to- completely alone, which a lot of men grow up in that kind of mindset, where God was saying, no, son, you belong to me, and I love you, and I love you enough to where if you are doing what is wrong, that is hurting you and hurting yourself and, and hurting others, I am going to step in through consequences, divinely orchestrated, and the Bible called that hardship. Endure hardship is discipline. I am disciplining you. I am treating you as my child. And so he reframed the whole thing as love. You know, you losing all the, you losing, you know, uh, being confronted with your pride and having to walk through humility and, and all the things that I, as a consequence of my hard times, had to really learn and, and grow in, it was all discipline. Like God was bringing out the best in me uh, that I could not just do on my own. God was actually engaging with me, saying, I love you. You belong to me. You're, and the other thing that was so interesting that was communicated to me at a very deep heart level is you, you matter. Like, you're not just the totality of your sin and your mistakes and failures, which is what I thought. You know, I am a worm. You know, I am the awful-ist person on the planet. And I didn't contemplate suicide, but I can imagine getting there. You know, when you think that, you know, you are you are you're no good to yourself, you're no good to others, and, you know, and why bother living, you know? And so God in his love said, no, you are valuable. I've placed in you something so beautiful and awesome that the world needs and that you need. And, but to get there, you have to go through the doorway of discipline. So God was disciplining me, showing me evidence. You're not orphaned. You're not abandoned. I actually care. It's so it's sort of the idea of um, who's waiting up for you at night, right? You go, you go off and do stupid things, 
and and you get yourself who's who cares? Who cares? Who's going to call? Who's going to look for you? God is. God is the Father that will always, no matter how deep the hole is you're in, He says, I love you, I'm coming for you, and I'm going to discipline you. And just like He told me, my son, you might resist it at first because no, nobody enjoys it. It's not fun. I'm not trying to spiritualize it. It's, it's awful. But you trust that in his love, he's trying to bring some gold out. He's trying to free you from your sin, free you from your broken, dysfunctional ways. So that was one of the attributes I learned. It, it, it reframed everything, and it got me in a position where I was more open to even further, because, man, there was so long. Honestly, this book that I'm writing covers a lot of different things that I, I learned on that journey. Um the book's called Fatherhood Face Plants, for those that maybe don't know. Uh, it's coming out some one day. <laughs> and that was a great attribute of God. Okay, so that's the first one. Loving correction is an evidence that you belong. You belong in a family. The family that God says, I adopted you, you're mine, I'm not going to leave you alone, I'm going to work with you, I'm going to help you and correct you and get you to where you need to be. Man, isn't that awesome? Isn't it awesome not to be abandoned? Isn't it awesome even when, when you yourself would not even be willing to, to make those major changes, God in His love orchestrates it in a way that, that almost forces you to change, which is basically, you know, me. I'm the school of hard knocks guy, right? You know, I'm, don't just tell me. I got to live through it. Why well, live through it? And so um, I hope you're not that guy. But if you are, hey. All right, so that's one attribute of God that was really cool. So a second attribute of God was uh, what I call uh, encouraging to be more like He had made me to be. Encouraging me to be more like He made me to be. Uh, So what does this mean? Um, I got to a point in my life, and many, many men do this, and maybe women, but certainly men do. You get into that sort of routine of of obligation. You know, I'm doing everything I'm, quote, supposed to do, but I hate it. You know, I hate my job, and I hate what I'm doing, and I hate this, and I hate that. And and you just become this sort of dutiful uh, obligation guy. You know, I serve at church because I'm supposed to, and you do all these things out of obligation, right? And... And I did that for years, you know, and it got to the point where I would like be in social circles and they might ask me, hey, what do you like to do? And I would be like, I go to work, I pay my bills, I do what's right. That's it. You know, how sad is that? You know, (laughs) that is just so sad. That's not who I was. It was not how God had made me, but that's where I got to. You know, thinking that that's, that was God's best for me, just doing what I'm supposed to do. And so I had this very interesting experience with the Lord. I was uh, set aside some time to pray, and you know, I think it was uh, one summer, and there was this great field, like this hidden field out in uh, uh, Research Triangle Park where I worked at the time, where nobody was around. It was like totally isolated. It was really close to my work. And, and it was like this large field and, and it was hidden by trees and you could like walk to this path and then you get this huge field and it's like nobody can see you. And so I was out there reading the Bible and I had this experience where the Lord told me 
um, to dance. And I was like, look, God, I'm a manager of 25 employees. I'm in my 40s. And men like me don't dance. All right. Like we're over having fun, being stupid. You know, like I don't do this. And I felt the Lord say dance. And I was like, oh, God, you know, you're really stretching me right now. What's so funny is that I was totally by myself. Like I was totally by myself. Nobody was going to see me dance before the Lord. But I was, you know, where David says, I'm going to be an embarrassment to myself. That's totally paraphrased. But there's a scripture talking about, you know, I will um, make myself a fool in my own eyes. It's exactly how I felt. But he, you know, David was all in. For me, I was like totally reluctant. I was like, I'm not being a fool. Not even if nobody can see me, I'm not going to be a fool. And that's how locked up I was. So the Lord told me to dance. And I said, okay, fine. I'll, I'll do it, but I need music. And so I think I put on Jason Upton or something like that. And I just started to awkwardly dance. Yes, it was a dead dance, 100%. But it, but, but as I started, the more I did it, the freer I got. And honestly, the stupider I looked, um, the more embarrassing to myself I was. But nobody saw. It was just me and God. And now you guys know. So, you know, don't tell anybody. But um, it, it was awesome. Like after a while, I just was out of control. Like I was dancing everywhere. I was spinning, I was jumping. I was yelling. It was amazing. And the the thing that God was doing through this very unusual situation was he was setting me free. He was setting me free from these false expectations that I'd placed on myself at that age of my life. You know, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a manager. I'm corporate. I'm all these things, which was not how I was at all. But that, I mean, I am a husband. I am a follower. But the whole corporate kind of Button down, boring is I want to curse, but I won't. You know, just I wasn't that was not, that was not me. And so God was trying to set me free, and he did. And it was so funny because I remember after that he told me to go read a scripture. It was like, I think it was Jeremiah 33 or something, and it talked about he said, the old man, it's so funny, the scripture read, and the old man went out dancing. It says it in the scripture, and I was like, that's me, <laughs> that free guy. And what was so funny was, as a result of that, I started to do things again and pursue things again that actually were interesting to me. Like, I think my very first move after that was I, I ended up buying these awesome engineer boots. So I grew up a punk, and, you know, and the whole, like, I was in a bunch of punk bands and stuff like that. And, you know, and I had this very edgy alternative side to me. And, you know, and all of that was gone. So the first thing I did is I got a, a, just a kick-ass pair of boots. I was like, I love these boots, and I'm going to get them. And then I started to dig into hobbies and interest and, and, and art and, and all kinds of things that I just wanted to do and, and not feel guilty about it because God had kind of made me into this sort of whatever I am and I was so locked up. And anyway, I'm being long-winded about it. All right, here's another here's another example. So um, I was in church, and um, I had sin. I don't even remember what it was. Uh, I wrote about this in a blog called um, uh, "Don't Grovel." So if you're interested in the longer story, you can listen to that or read that. Uh, but anyway, 
uh, I'd sent, I don't even remember what it was, but I felt bad about it. And, and it was altar call time. So come up front, you know, and uh, respond to the Lord. And so I went up there and I got on my hands, I got on my face and my knees, weeping before the Lord at church, saying, I'm sorry, and I'm sorry. And basically I was groveling, which, you know, I think at the time I was like, yeah, you know, this is the right posture before God, grovel. And man, as clear as day, the Lord told me, he said, stand up. And I was like, what? He was like, stand up. I'm sitting there groveling, right, crying over my sin. He's like, stand up. And I said, okay. And so I stood up, and then it was almost as if I experienced God's hand on the side of my head, pull him, myself, my head to his chest, and then he just started to love me. It was an amazing experience. And the thing he said to me at that time was, I have made you to stand out. So, you don't stand out groveling, hidden, and feeling like you're a worm. I've made you to stand up in an honoring and respectful position before me, because that's how I've made you to be. You are forgiven. You have honor. You have dignity because you're my son, and I love you, and I've made you to be seen or heard, in this case, as a podcast. You know, and, and it was just man, it was amazing. And, and uh, he, was, he was trying to pull out these attributes of me that God had put in me. So let's talk about the Bible for a minute. So let's talk about Peter. Like, was Peter a quiet guy? No, he was not a quiet guy. In fact, he put his foot in his mouth so many times, right? And, but God loved Peter. And when, when God in uh, Jesus restored Peter in um, uh, John 21, you know, he basically resurrected, comes to Peter, has, you know, that conversation with him about, do you love me? But you know what he said? He commissioned Peter at that time, you know, saying, you know, feed my sheep, take care of my lambs, you know, and he's giving them this great mission, you know, and, and there's another scripture, he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. And he was talking to Peter when he said that, and his name meant rock. And so he's trying to say, hey, I'm going to build my church on you. And so instead of God saying to Peter, shut up, you know, your motives are all out of whack, just go in a corner, right, and, and be quiet and be a good boy, he infused dignity, and, went, and Peter did go through discipline, just like the first point, and it kind of purified that aspect of him, and what did he do in Acts? Like, right after the Holy Spirit came, he's the preacher, he's the guy making the noise, not sitting in some corner feeling sorry for himself. And he had a good reason to. He denied, he denied Jesus to save his skin, right? So just like Peter and just like me, God has made you a very particular way. You could be, you know, super engineering-minded and analytical and intellectual, or you could be flamboyant and emotional and outlandish and, and, and have some showmanship about you, or whatever it is, God wants that to express some attribute that he has. And so stop living under false expectations of who you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to look like, what, you know, all these false attributes. If God didn't put it on you, be free. Right, and I hope that God gives you a dancing experience like He gave me, because man, it it really started me back to that rediscovery of, you know, the way God has made me is, is great, you know. And so, 
And I know he feels the same way about you. Okay, so that's the second attribute. The third attribute is, I, I, how can I, I, I put as a, I put this as loving the boy. So again, a lot of these experiences I had of God as father is kind of these one-on-one times that I have with God. And so well, I, recently at these one-on-one times, I had just that revelation that, you know, God, I was talking to him. I said, you meet this need in me to be loved like a boy needs to be loved. Boy didn't do anything to deserve it. He's just a boy. You know, he hasn't, you know, killed it on every front. He doesn't, quote, earn it. He just is a part of the family and he's loved. And, and God, and I, and I was realizing, you know, the, the number of times that the Lord tells me, I love you, is like ridiculous. He tells me this all the time, out of the blue, for no reason. It's not because I did something. I could just be sitting there, right? Or the other thing that I find is that when I do obey the Lord sometimes, I feel like he says, thank you. Like, I recognize this. I see this. Nobody else may see, but I see it. And so, this attribute of God, I, I would say, uh, from a father's standpoint, is just loving that side of you that needs so desperately to be loved. You know, and so we're not looking for our wives or our kids or a pastor or our friends or other people to say, fill my big love tank. You know, please tell me how important I am. Please tell me how much you love me. Please tell me how committed you are. to. It's like, that's all gravy and bonus and icing on the cake. But God is always meeting that need in me. And I love that about him because I needed it. Like my history, I needed to know, you know, because that was not my story. So uh, Hebrews, um, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 31, 3 says, Jesus, uh, God is speaking. I, it says, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with my unfailing kindness. I've loved you with an everlasting love, and I've drawn you with my unfailing kindness. That's the heart of God. That's the Father heart of God. Oh, I've always loved you, and I've drawn you with my kindness. Another uh, great scripture, 1 John 4, 19 says, He loved us. Um, we love, I'm sorry, uh, 1 John four nineteen says, We love because He first loved us. We love because He first loved us. He loved us most. He loved us first. You know, there's another great scripture in Jeremiah says, before you were even born, I knew you. You know, God, God is, as a father, will meet the deepest, deepest needs that you have, uh, that childlikeness in you that just needs it. I just need to be loved. That's it. It's as simple and plain as that. And God wants to meet that need. So are you giving him opportunity in your day to love you? You know, are, are you spending any time just allowing, opening yourself up? To, or do you think, are you just working yourself to death thinking, well, do you love me now? I mean, it's like you're totally missing it if you're doing it that way, guys or gals, right? Let him love you as his kid. Be, be, be in possessions where you slow down, you, you, the phone is off, you know, you're just available, just being open to hear his loving kindness towards you because he has it for you right all right so the last one um is uh is so wonderful 
is God trust you. I'll say it again. God trust you. Okay? Uh, you may not, that may be a revelation to you, right? But let me, let me try to unpack that for, uh, for, for you in, in a bit. Um, let's start with being a dad. Maybe you're a dad out there. Or a mom. Did, did you make your child? Did you in yourself make your child, female or male, whatever they are? Did you make them? Who made you a mom or a dad? God. So what has he done at that point? Has he trusted you with something? Yes. Do you have money? Has God trusted you with something? Do you have something? Has God trusted you with the thing? Like, you have to understand, it is amazing the honor and dignity that God has given to us as fathers, as mothers, as employees, as bosses, as followers of Christ. God trusts us with stuff. Now, you know this in the natural, right? Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a dad, you know, and I've got kids. And so, you know, they're not asking me what, what color socks to wear every day. I don't want them to ask me those kind of questions. They are uh, awesome enough to pick out whatever socks they pick out. And I'm good with that. That's great, right? So um, I know that's maybe a stupid example, but I'll give you two scriptures and I'll uh, share a little bit more. So Psalm eighteen nineteen says, God speaking, or David speaking, he brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. So I want to talk to you about this concept of he brought me out to a spacious place. For the longest time in my Christianity, I was scared to death to make decisions. What if this isn't God's will, right? You know, what if I take this left or this right or make this decision or don't make this decision? I'm going to screw my whole life up. Everything is riding on this decision. Guess what? It's not. It's not, guys. I want to just free you right now. That decision in front of you, um, unless it's there are a few decisions we will make in life that will utter that will that will tr- that will you know set your trajectory of your life in a totally different direction. There are a few. I'm not saying there's not, but most of them are not. And so what you have is the ability to make decisions as best you know how before the Lord with prayer, and if you get no clear direction, knowing that whatever you decide, God is big enough to direct you irrespective of your decision. Let's say you made a bad decision. Guess what? Do you think that God can actually redirect you after you made your bad decision? Or are you so omnipotent that once you make a decision, oh no, you know God's never going to be able to intervene now because I've locked in my life? That's completely not true. I'm not talking about marriage just for those that want a divorce out there, that is not what I'm talking about, because <laughs> it's very clear what the Bible says about that. Um, but even that, there are there is room with the Lord, and you'll have to search Scripture on that. I just want to make sure that, you know, just because you feel like you need to be out, you can be out. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, but the spacious place, basically what, what I'm trying to say is that um, God leads us, and I've found this to be in my experience, where he's not giving me explicit direction because he wants me to make the decision. And I have enough space in the decision 
that there's grace. There's grace. I'm going to get where I need to go. You're going to get where you need to go. So don't be so afraid of making decisions because God set you in a spacious place. There's plenty of room. You do not live on the edge of a cliff, and everything you do is going to drop you off the cliff, and some dire thing is going to happen. God is more gracious and loving than you think in that regards. Another thing, John 20, 21. Jesus, this is after his resurrection, and he's speaking to his disciples, and he says, peace be with you. That's important. Peace be with you. If God trusts you, you can be at peace. He's already trusted you. He's already given you something. You're already anointed to be the dad, the mom, the boss, or whatever it is you need, because he's already given it to you, and he trusts you with it. So peace be with you, not filled with anxiety. Oh my God, I'm going to screw up. No, peace from the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus said, uh, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I, God, am sending you. Why would God send us if he didn't trust us? Why would God give us the message of the gospel to share, to live out, to express in the world? If he doesn't trust you. Guys, he trusts you. And any parent knows that as you grow, as children grow older, you trust them. That's what you want. You want to trust them. Just say, you know what? I've given you what you need, and I trust you. God is the same way with you. He trusts you. You do not have to live like every situation is going to be dire. It's not. You live in a spacious place. There's so much room to explore and to enjoy. And even if you do make the right decision, God is big enough to redirect you down the road. It's all going to be awesome. So those are the four attributes I wanted to share and what I've discovered. So his loving correction is evidence of you belonging. Um, He will encourage you to be more like he's made you to be, even if it doesn't fit in the box. He will love you as a child, right? All the things you need as a child, he will be that for you. And then ultimately, he trusts you. He trusts you. And, uh, and man, I, these things have been, meant the world to me. God has transformed me by his fathering of me. And um, it's, just been, it's just been amazing. So I love bragging on God. This is a big brag on God podcast. I hope you uh, were encouraged. Um, and I hope you guys have an amazing day. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. Go to Instagram at The Kindling Fire to find out more about what we offer, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Kindling Fire. There you can find Bible devotionals, e-courses, and etc. Okay, guys, as always, be awesome.